Welcome to Mandatory Reshoots, the podcast where we review, preview, and discuss movies. I'm Connor Dempsey, broadcasting from Eternal Spring Gloom Paradise, Seattle, Washington. And today I'm joined by my two co-hosts from Chicago, Simpson fanatic, documented Ryan Gosling lookalike, and Warboy on a bike, Sam Alcaraz. Hola. And also joining us today is condo owner, one-time Edgewood High School JV Basketball Sixth Man of the Year, and yet somehow still NBA-phobic stat man, Eric Sweeney. Hello, hello. Today on the podcast, we're reviewing Black Panther, but before we get to that, we have a new segment to the podcast called... Hey, what you watching? <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Uh, that's just a, a, a temporary name. We'll see if that works or not. Highly uh, might... temporary. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that I goes. I like it. Sam, yes. what are you watching right now? Uh, so what have I what have I been watching? You know, there's nothing too consistent. I've been watching a lot of YouTube clips of Dragon Ball Z <laughs> lately. Um, nice, but like parsing it down as much as possible. Where I'm just like, I want to see the part where Goku goes Super Saiyan for the first time, and then I want to see somebody else go Super Saiyan for the first time, and so forth. It's pretty embarrassing. Hmm. Uh, as far as playing, I've been playing Monster Hunter World. Um, nice. But if, and even though I've put like 40 hours into it, I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing or if I'm actually playing the game correctly. And uh, it's kind of daunting and frustrating, this game. Mm. So that's about it for me. So not a lot of hand-holding in that game? No. You know what? It is a indecipherable game at times. Is that, I mean, you said frustrating, but is there some element of, of satisfaction when you figure it out, kind of like a Dark Souls element? Ah. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, at least with Dark Souls, like you, well, it was very difficult. There was a, you understood the game, the gameplay, right? Like there's there's a there was a depth to it, but you could get by pretty easily without understanding it. With the Monster Hunter World, I feel like I won't enjoy this game until I understand every aspect of it. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So it's probably one of those games that you have to beat, and then you can when you start playing through again, then you actually enjoy it. Okay. Eric, what about you? Uh, Yeah, I've been doing, uh, listening, consuming a few things. Uh, First thing I want to talk about is Slow Burn Podcast. Uh, It's a podcast by Slate that uh, just finished up um, a couple weeks ago. It's uh, about seven or eight episodes long, and it goes through uh, Watergate and the whole scandal back in the early 70s. The whole idea uh, this guy had to go back and look at it and detail everything that went down was just that you kind of wondered like what it was like to be living in uh, a Watergate kind of no, scandal. Watergate, that's about when that Dutch kid took his finger out of the dam, right? Uh, I don't get that reference. Uh, what is that from? <laughs> is that like a fable? I don't know. Is that a fable? Connor, back me up on this. Connor, you're the writer. Uh, Dutch like kid... A- Ooh, I don't know. I'm gonna. I'll agree with Sam blindly, but I, I don't have the information to back that up. That's always so, a yes. solid decision to do that. Uh, no, this is about Nixon, Richard Nixon, our president. Not familiar with him. Uh, that's okay. Uh, well, you should listen to this podcast because it really goes uh, in detail about a lot of crazy stuff that happened around Watergate. That kind the, of. I'm sorry. It's the little Dutch boy who put his finger in the dike. You're not familiar with that? That that's like a children's fable. I have not been re- reading that lately. Uh, have been listening to this podcast though about <laughs> Nixon. <laughs> no, I have not heard that uh, fable. 
Uh, sounds it's, like... it's a very famous fable. Okay. Okay. You should have brought it up on uh, your segment. Um, <laughs> so anyways, Slow Burn is really great. Uh, kind of has a lot of parallels with what's going on with the whole Russia thing uh, in our current climate. And I, it's really engrossing and uh, recommended my parents listen to it. And my dad was all into it because he, he lived through it and kind of was reminiscing. Um, so that was really good. Slow Burn Podcast by Slate. Um, I've been wa- catching up on Last Man on Earth uh, comedy on Fox with um, what's his name? I forget his name. Uh, Will Will Forte. Uh, and his like it's funny. It's Kristen Shaw. Yeah, Kristen Shaw, January Jones, so just random random characters. Mary Helgen, Helgen, uh, Ted Danson's wife. Oh, um, oh, Mary Steenberg. Yeah, Steenberger, yeah. The mom and stepbrothers. I love Ted Danson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, and it's pretty funny. Uh, his meet and lead character, the main character by Will Forte, is kind of weird and annoying. So it took a while to get around that, but they've kind of toned him down and made him... He's actually pretty funny now, um, and it doesn't annoy me as much. Uh, but it's it's pretty funny. I'd recommend watching it. It's like season four right now. Um, and then the last thing I was going to talk about is Counterpart, this new show on Stars. Uh, that's that the that's J.K. Star- Simmons ones. That stars J.K. Simmons. Uh, it's like a mix of like a John Lacar, Lacari. I don't know how to pronounce his name. John Lacar novel with Fringe or X Files. Um, it was basically a, uh, a, a portal to another dimension with a duplicate Earth um, was created in like the '80s, and these one organization on both earths like oversee it and there's dual twins you know on both sides and jk simmons plays two roles and they're quite different because one world is a lot has changed since the, uh, they opened the dimensional portal and then the other world he's the editor of a major metropolitan newspaper and he always wants pictures of spider-man Bring me spider-man pictures. that is uh i think that's a uh, whiplash you're thinking of oh okay. um, yeah yeah no, in this one, he's just like a lowly guy, office guy, but he gets caught up in this uh, kind of spy thing. It's like a spy drama, but instead of two countries, it's two worlds. So that's what I think of when I, like the whole Fringe. Fringe had a lot of a lot of that. Uh, but it's really good. J.K. Simmons is awesome because he's playing like two characters that are completely different from each other. Um, he's great. He's I mean, he's always been awesome. He was great in Oz. Uh, right. I've never watched that. Movie. He deserved an Oscar for his portrayal of J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, and I'm like not. I'm like half joking when I say that. Like, I mean, he was I mean, pretty great in those movies. And he's perfect. He's, he was. Yeah, he's ultimately like I think what everyone will remember about the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films is him. Uh, I mean, Tobey Maguire is whatever. Um, yeah. I guess uh, Alfred Molina was a pretty good Doctor Octopus. He was. Uh, and the the Green Goblin mask was hideous. Um, <laughs> And then in the third one, uh, James Franco. James Franco is awful, and he rides a snowboard. <laughs> right? I think we talked about that. He looks, in the yeah, he looks so fucking dumb. Always comes I, back I, to Spider-Man. It, it's really a shame that J.K. Simmons has been drawn into the the bland DC franchise now because he's wasted as Commissioner, Commissioner Gordon. Gordon. Oh, Commissioner Gordon, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. it's. I've it, not seen him in that role. I haven't seen. I'm that sure he's yet. good, but it's. It's not probably. Not it's a blink, a good and, blink and you'll miss it type of role. It, it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, well, he's great in this. Why not just put him in to the next Spider-Man movie? Yeah. Like, why not? 
like he hasn't aged out of that role. No. I think he'd be great. I think I think you know like young Peter Parker gets an internship at the Daily Bugle. Maybe he's like doing computer stuff. Uh, social media. He's doing social media. He's oh, a social media update. intern. The yeah, back to the social yeah. media. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd be down with that. Uh, but I know you should guys also check out the show. It's pretty good. Uh, I'm only like it's only like first season, like ten episodes, and there's only been five so far. But I really like it. That's counterpart on stars. Connor, what have you been? What you watching? <laughs> this name. Let's see. I guess I've been revisiting season one of Atlanta in anticipation of uh, the second season dropping in a week or two, I think. Season two of Atlanta on FX, I think, is March 1st or, or somewhere around there. And they already have some early reviews out for it and say that it's as, as good as the first season, which I enjoyed thoroughly. For those who don't know it, uh, Atlanta was the show that I guess was described as Twin Peaks for rappers. It's just kind of a a show that balances a sort of surreal tone with some more grounded issues, I suppose, whereas Twin Peaks never really confronts, not realistic issues, it's just more concerned with its surreal aspects, whereas Atlanta often has a lot of social commentary woven into the surreal elements. Other than that, uh, I read uh, Sea of Rust. That was very good. I I tend to uh, shy away from science fiction that's based in robotics or around robotics for whatever reason, but uh, I thought this was a nice breezy sci-fi book uh, written by maybe Scott Derrickson. I forget his name. He's he's a screenwriter. C. Robert Cargill, who yeah, I was co- co-wrote. Wow, I was nowhere near that name. Well, no, well, he Samson. No, he co-wrote uh, Doctor Strange with Scott Derrickson, oh, who directed okay. it. So, something. There we go. Uh, it was like in. It, the ballpark yeah that uh i think wraps it up for me though any anything else uh anyone missed on their what you watching segment yeah i don't like that name we'll use, we'll use something else all right that's uh the end of what you watching forever apparently a short-lived <laughs> segment all right now to the task at hand the black panther review the moment we've all been waiting for so Black Panther is uh marvel's new movie directed by ryan coogler and stars chadwick boseman uh, Lupita Nyong'o, Michael B. Jordan, Denai Guerrera, Daniel Kaluuya, Letitia Wright, Winston Duke, Sterling K. Brown, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, Martin Freeman, and Andy Serkis. The plot synopsis of Black Panther is T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, rises to the throne in the isolated, technologically advanced nation, but his claim is challenged by a vengeful outsider who was a childhood victim of T'Challa's father's mistake. And before we jump in, let's listen to a quick clip from Black Panther. Queen Mother, Princess, my comfort for your loss. Thank you, Nakia. It is so good to have you back with us. Take her to the river province to prepare her for the ceremony. Yes, General. Did he freeze? Like an antelope in headlights. <laughs> are you finished? What are everyone's thoughts on Black Panther? Uh, you know, I'll start. Uh, I really liked it. Um, would I say I loved it? Uh, I don't know. I loved parts of it. Uh, I thought overall it was it was very good. Um, 
I did, you know, like I spent a lot of time thinking about Black Panther's place within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as ridiculous as it sounds. And I, I certainly don't think I would say it's the best film of all. Uh, I'd say it's in the top tier for certain. Uh, unlike a lot of the films in the Marvel Universe, it has a really great villain that doesn't feel like a villain of the week, which I think is a problem with a lot of those films. Uh, it's got a tremendous cast. Like most Marvel movies, it has uh, great moments of levity and humor sprinkled throughout that do a, a really good job of breaking up the kind of self-seriousness that tends to dominate uh, latter-day superhero films. Um, but, I mean, like speaking to the war rhino in the room, uh, you know, this is not necessarily a film that is for uh 30-something white guys right like the, the ultimately the audience for this is african americans in particular african american children who haven't really had the opportunity to see someone that looks like them be the star of a superhero movie at least in the last 15 years right like yeah we've had blade yeah we've had B meteor man but those are not the same types of movies as you know the superhero movies these days what so, about uh, Spawn? Does Spawn count? Everyone kind of forgets about Michael Dwight. Well, people forget that Spawn is black, right? Because, like, well, Spawn was black before he died. Now he's technically a zombie, right? Oh, so, yeah, it kind of is a wash. I mean, I, yeah. And, like, I, I would never say that Spawn's blackness is intrinsic to the character. Okay. Like, I'm getting, a little, I'm getting a little off base. But, like, I mean, I read Spawn growing up. I had the first 50 or 60 issues. Um, and it was – they – Spawn being black just seemed like kind of like a surprise more than anything else because there's nothing, at least in that in those first 50, 60 issues, I didn't read past that, so maybe I'm totally wrong, but there was nothing that really seemed to inform uh, his character, you know, in terms of race. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I like I went at the screening I went to, there were a lot of little kids who were dressed up as Black Panther for the movie and like for those kids it mean this movie must have meant so much and i can only imagine that like 20 years from now they might be talking about this movie as like a seminal moment in their lives like you know our parents generation talk about star wars right like my dad still tells me about the first time he saw star wars and how incredible it was and this mind-blowing experience it was so maybe some six-year-old right now is going to see black panther and they're and you know when they're 36, they're gonna say you know that was that movie had such a profound effect on me, and so that's pretty cool. Eric, okay, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I really liked it. Um, I think uh, it's probably in the top. Like, there's like 20 movies now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, I, I, thought you, I thought we were gonna say top 20. I was like, that doesn't mean much. <laughs> No, 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 yeah, it's in, it's in there. Better uh, than Doctor Strange. It's uh, yeah, I I would say it's in the top third, top twenty, like top five or six, maybe. I don't know. Like, there's it's a difference of like, like personal. Like, I think I I really like the Captain America movie, especially the last two. Um, you like the first Captain America movie? First America, I really I do like. Uh, I like the I like each one better than the one before it. Yeah, for sure. Um, like the first Civil one seems so better than Winter Soldier. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I, I, for me, they're pretty much the same. I yeah, like, they're very similar. I, I like them, but I, I Civil uh, War it kind of turns into more of an Avenger movie sometimes. But um, I just always found the first one so superflu superfluous. Like, like it just, it just, it's just there. You know? Yeah, I, I would. I don't be... think it's a bad movie. Yeah, it's I, just, it's just I still, there. 
I still think Winter Soldier is the benchmark for Marvel action in terms of having some action that looked like a lot of practical effects were used, and I, I really enjoy that. And I think that's one of the things that Black Panther suffered from, was it would have these long stretches where you could tell Black Panther was just a CG character, and I missed the practical approach to uh, action that Winter Soldier had, where it looked like you know, real actors or stunt workers fighting and such. And then Black Panther's uh, final fight even looked kind of Spider-Man 1, 2, or 3, like from 10 yeah. years ago. And I, I, yeah. I, I think it suffered a little bit. I totally agree with that. Like, I, for, for a movie that clearly costs a lot of money to make, and you can see that in the sets, like what the practical sets that were there, um, and the scope of this movie, like some of the CGI was surprisingly cheap looking. And in particular, kind of like you're saying, when Black Panther, when T'Challa had the mask on and was moving around, it looked overly exaggerated, almost cartoonish. Yeah. Um, and I found that that final fight between him and Killmonger to be kind of difficult to follow from a visual perspective, um, which was a little surprising because I thought that Ryan Coogler in his previous film, Creed, I thought the boxing fights in that movie were spectacularly staged and looked fantastic. So I figured that he would be somebody that would be able to, to handle like a fight scene very well. But um, I don't know. It, it seems like maybe he fell a little bit too in love with CGI in this movie for my tastes. Yeah, I hear uh, yeah, about the, the CGI stuff. Um I definitely kind of noticed that myself. Uh, one of the film critics I follow on Twitter talked about it too, and he, he actually says Spider-Man 2 is like the benchmark of how good like a CGI-looking uh, stunt man can look. He thinks mm-hmm. that's better in 2000 and whatever, four than anything in Black Panther that used something similar. Like He, he puts that up on the pedestal oh, wow. as like the best. But I don't really remember. I think he's talking about like Doc Ock and, and Spider-Man on the building maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that 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 was like the like the one of the things that may bother me. But overall, I love this movie. I think it's you know top five or six. I think it's really cool. How it's a, definitely a superhero movie, but there's also like a little James Bond in it, and mm-hmm. even like a little like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, especially that last like battle on the <laughs> yes. last battle on the field where you know blows the horn. Here comes the giant beasts. <laughs> The giant elephants. And, I kind of squealed with delight when the rhinos came out. I was like, I was like, this is wonderful. Like yeah. it was, part of me was like, this is very silly, <laughs> but I, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah. like I, I was, yeah, I was definitely into it, into that. Uh, but it, I could definitely see it being like, oh, okay, there's a huge ass uh, <laughs> rhino with vibranium like uh, plating on it. Like, uh, so that was. Oh, quick time out though. Is there anything that vibranium can't do? Yeah, it heals spine injuries, apparently. I kept waiting for them to be like, oh, vibranium is just going to hold your spine in place until we get back to the lab, and then our, our special technology will fix you. Is but that it what seemed, was implied? I think that was what was implied, but it, it also seemed like, no, the vibranium just healed him. Like... Uh, I thought I, she did something. Maybe. I think she did something. I hope so. Because... But they didn't really talk about it. And so the flowers, were the flowers also special because of vibranium? Like. Yeah. I think the flowers grew out of, it's like a symbiote relationship with flowers and vibranium, I guess. I don't, it gives you the the power. I don't, I don't yeah. know. But those I mean, are I'm gone. Pretty, so there's only I'm... one Black Panther, correct, from now on? Uh, possibly, <sighs> yeah. Just, I, somebody probably put some seeds somewhere. You know, you know how this goes. But right. like, I feel pretty well versed in Marvel knowledge. Like those are the majority of the comics I grew up reading, Spawn notwithstanding. And 
I feel like I I feel like I have a good handle on what vibranium was supposed to be in the comics, which is like it mostly it operated on like it had like special sonic qualities, at least in the when Black Panther originally appears in the Fantastic Four, um, and vi- like it had it just had properties for manipulating sound to do special things. Like whereas it seems that vibranium in the MCU has untold quant- quantitative abilities. Like it's uh, it seems to to. I just I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm struggling. A, a screenwriter's tool, if they've written themselves in a corner, they're like just use vibranium. It's yeah, vibranium. yeah. Um, I'm waiting for them to reveal that it's like part of a dead celestial or something like that. You know. Well, like, I think the I think the one thing that it could be is the 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 oh, sixth fuck. infinity stone. Yeah, maybe the it is soul it's, stone. It's literally yeah, like no, it's it's literally this stone. asteroid is is that. That wouldn't be too crazy. Yeah, like that's that's the thought of where because we haven't seen that yet in all these Marvel movies where uh, that is. Well, you but know, it's, assume it's there because in Infinity War they're charging Wakanda, so more or less there that has would, uh, to be in the trailer stone. Yeah. Um, I mean, it could also be in possession of that golden race from Guardians Two, because at the end of Guardians Two, they're they're clearly growing uh, Adam, Adam Warlock. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and Adam Warlock has, I believe, he, he has. Is it the Soul Stone in in his forehead? Mm. Uh, he's Adam Warlock is basically Space Jesus, if you're not familiar. Okay. With him. Um, he's kind of like the antithesis of Vision. Of well, no, no, he's like he's like Thanos's opposite, oh, okay. from what I recall. Um, he is like he's kind of the epitome of Marvel's flirtation with with cosmicness that came out of the drugged out seventies. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's he's cool. Um, but yeah, they could maybe explain uh, that. But yeah, I think that is kind of just like a, you know, a, a nice easy thing to say. Like this is vibranium and it does everything. It heals people. <laughs> it uh, I mean, so like, that's like one thing like, that kind of bothering, but not like in a movie, but like as a idea that Wakanda has existed this entire time mm-hmm. is advanced. M- way past the rest of the world apparently yeah hundreds of years in a lot of things but like horrible things are happening around them like slavery like all the other african nations are getting enslaved and colonized and they just let it happen because they're all about themselves which you know commentary on our own isolationism at the moment i think it's our own like in others nations that i think it is a commentary on that and maybe that's what was going maybe that's why that's in the books the marvel the comic books but I'm I'm glad that they decided not to, but it's kind of hard to to like it's, root for them. Yeah. When like you you have you had I mean I get like not conquering the world, but I also get like maybe helping out some people, and I do like um his, the love interest uh I forget her name, but played by Lupita Nyong'o who has left Wakanda to help others. Yeah. Because she doesn't like that, and she's trying to change. But um, Eric, doesn't it also make Killmonger all the more relatable then, because you understand his counterpart to Wakanda, where even though he's radicalized, that thought it makes him, you know, really easy to understand because he's the other side of the isolationist argument. Absolutely, absolutely. Like Kill, Kill I mean, I'm not even got in the Killmonger. Killmonger is like the best villain in the Marvel. I, I really liked um, Michael Keaton's as character in Spider-Man and Vulture. Like he wasn't as threatening, but he had like a good. He was a good character. Like he had a, or, yeah. But like Killmonger was like, his dad is killed by his brother. He's talked about this magical place. He's raised up, uh, you know, by himself, made himself into someone, trying to get back to that magical land. Uh, and 
becomes king. Like that is a hero's journey. And, mm-hmm. and, but he's not the hero. He's, he's a villain. And I think that's, that's what makes his character that great. Like it, I, I, every, you can really get where he's coming from, why he's doing what he's doing. And, and he's just a badass character too. Like it, it was fun to watch Michael B. Jordan, like eat up scenery. His as, hair. Looked oh. fantastic. I loved, his, I loved his haircut. It was fantastic. And he looked physically intimidating. I'm I'm a little tired of these CG monstrosity villains or these villains who look like sticks but you know have this power just infused in them or whatever. So it was nice to see someone who looked physically intimidating. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He you know what? He looked bigger and more ripped in this movie than he did in Creed. Yeah. Which- and I don't want to suggest that Michael B. Jordan is doing anything illegal. I don't so want to suggest that. So you won't say anything. I'm not going to say anything like that. <laughs> but he uh, he looked like a threat. And that's that's saying something, right? Like when your villain has this, impre- has this presence and this ability to dominate the screen, which I think is something that Michael B. Jordan is really good at. Like he knows how to play to the camera and the camera clearly loves him. Like he's – everything you see him in, you are drawn to him. Uh, there's that horrible Fantastic Four movie that my my eternal enemy Josh Trask, uh, Josh Trank. See, I can't even bother to remember how to say his name correctly because <laughs> I hate him so much. Yeah. Um, like that movie is garbage, and yet you're still like, you want to follow Michael B. Jordan in that mm-hmm. movie. Um, obviously Creed isn't. I I think Creed is a superior film to Black Panther. Um, I think it feels more. I think it's. I think it feels more realized. Um and more lived in than black Panther does. And I, I just, I credit part of that to the kind of cheap CGI and times in, in black Panther. Yeah. Um, even though I will say black Panther feels like a more personal film than Creed. Um, but like, yeah, like Googler's from Oakland and you can tell with the inclusion of Oakland in, in this and mm-hmm. in fruit Valley station, uh, both of those are very personal. Yeah. I mean, but there's just, just like there is a, a street level to Creed that just makes it feel so intimate and, uh, and invigorating, and and it's, you really feel like wrapped up in uh, in Michael B. Jordan's uh, character in Creed, in you know, in his journey. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I just think he's money, and I don't understand why he's not starring in a huge movie every year. I, I would agree. I, I also discovered, and spoiler alert for Black Panther, but I discovered in this movie when Killmonger dies that I have a really tough time <sighs> watching Michael B. Jordan die. And I think it stems from the <laughs> wire. The wire. Seeing, yep. Yeah. Seeing him oh, grow up. Poor Wallace. Poor Wallace um, but we but, know uh, what happened. And at the end of the wire, he didn't actually die. He survived and he made oh, his way Friday to Dillon, Texas, to be where he entered the witness relocation that's program. That's what everyone did in their mind just to, to live with the wire. That's what, that's what happened. Uh, but he screwed it up by becoming too good at football and, <laughs> making national headlines you know like and that what what led to what ended up happening like his horrible dad came looking for some of it yeah yeah but i was i was almost inconsolable when killmonger died and i was like (laughs) this is the villain and i was like when he's talking about as eric said like when he gets stabbed and he talk makes the comment about i always wanted to see this place i was like oh god why are you saying this and then he brings him up to see the sunset i was just like oh i can't i can't do this and then uh, capitalizing on, on The Wire, too, when, when they go back to uh, Oakland at the end of the movie and uh, Chadwick Boseman, or T'Challa, Black Panther, is setting up the outreach uh, center in the neighborhood, 
the kid who comes up and talks to him, who, you know, it, it's implied is like the version of young Michael Jordan that they didn't go back for the first time around, but this time they're going back to, you know, help the community even has like the same braids that Wallace did in the wire. And I was like, Oh, it's too much. It's too, I just can't, I just can't handle it. I, didn't I, was, like, that. I was like, I I'm, I'm done. This movie, this movie got me for sure. Yeah. Uh, like I, I've been with you. Like I didn't want Kill Monger to die, but I think it's it, like, I, it would have been cool to see him in other movies, but he, he like that, they have to die like that. Like yeah. that was poetic, like end to him. And I, I think that was really well done. But, uh, I get some other get into more stuff later, but Connor, what did what did you think about it? it sounds like you liked it. Uh, I did. I think I'm just gonna mirror what you guys said. It's top five Marvel movie for me. There are some flaws. I thought with the CG, the pacing was a little odd at times, but I loved a ton about it. And in terms of representation and and social commentary and message, I think that way trumps the flaws and i think it it it's almost cynical to to run some of these flaws down but for the sake of the podcast uh we will uh, just the same things i mentioned cartoonish cg uh with the final battle uh when when he wasn't in the, in the black panther suit i thought the fights were great i thought the two usurper challenger fights in the uh kind of waterfall cliff setting were, were great and that maybe is more akin to ryan coogler's creed uh camera work and training and i think those worked a lot better even the first fight with uh winston duke who played the um leader of the the tribe in the mountains who i know was called as a comic character was called man ape which i understand why they thankfully <laughs> changed that name that is but way out treading treading in dangerous but water. they did a good job of like reappropriating that and making it uh like a thing where like he his he was the size of a huge gorilla in the the grunting and stuff but if that movie was made 10 years ago by a white director and they didn't sand down some of those edges that could have like just been awful like just awful um so i thought even winston duke was was really good as is i forget what his renamed character uh was maybe i I think it's it's whatever the 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 character's name is it's just he goes by okay yeah so i use that name as I said, the cast was great, but it's specifically the the women I thought were standouts. Yep. Uh, Denise oh, yeah. Herrera, the general leader, better known as uh, Michonne from Walking Dead, was fantastic. Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, that was Michonne. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, Lupita Nyong'o was um, really really good. As we can't come up with her character name, but as she, the... Lupita Nyong'o is so upsettingly beautiful. Like <laughs> I'm just like watching her on screen, and I'm like. Why are we not just painting like oil paintings of this woman to hang in the Louvre? Like she is unbelievably gorgeous. Yeah. Just like like distractingly so. I don't think anyone would argue with that. I love not only did I love Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger, I really even liked Andy Circus chewing scenery, even yes. though he came <laughs> off a little bit too cartoonish. I criticized the villains in Wonder Woman for similar behavior, wringing hands and cackling, things like that. But for whatever reason, maybe because I have a soft spot for Andy Serkis, I, I kind of liked that counterpart to Killmonger um, as Andy Serkis's claw. So, I don't know. I really liked uh, the antagonists in this movie. Yeah, I, I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm big on this movie. The flaws are small. I, I wish there were, wasn't so much CG. And then I can't quite place what was off about the pace early on, but it, it kind of meandered a little bit at times, even though I liked the setup of Wakanda and the kind of uh, Shakespearean uh, tale of like betrayal and the, the usurpers and, and nephews and such. 
Yeah, you know, just following up on some stuff that, again, like I don't want to feel like I'm harping on this movie because overall I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I did. I got to question the decision to give him the the kinetic charge battle armor. It just oh, yeah. it feels like they're overpowering the character that you know he's already got enhanced strength, speed, stamina, like all these things that make him special, that make him a superhero, and now you're giving him like battle armor, and it's 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 without provocation, uh, provocation, provocation. There, that's a word. Uh, it's without provocation in that like it's not like there was he had an earlier fight with. Killmonger or with uh, Andy Serkis's claw in which his abilities were not up to the task. And then they're like, hey, don't worry. Now we got this special armor yeah. that's going to help you. It's just kind of like uh, escalating the abilities of this hero when it wasn't needed. And it just kind of feels a little bit like overkill. Now, they use the armor well in the movie for some interesting set pieces. But it also seems like they solved the problem that didn't exist. Um, I think there's a part of that in Spider-Man too, where they kind of Iron Man the the, the, the suit, suit a little bit. Kind of yeah. doing that here. And, and you'd like, rather have the character's arc come from within rather than just a bit of tech that improves them. Yeah, and I mean, from my knowledge of Black Panther and from having read issues of it here and there, but mostly I know him from his interactions with the Fantastic Four. What made what set Black Panther apart was, I mean, he yes, he has like. He's an incredible fighter, but he was also very smart, and he was incredibly cunning. In a lot of ways, he has essentially become the Marvel Universe's analog to Batman, uh, and that, like, as, as great of his, like, feats of strength and, and athleticism is, it's his mind, it's his cunning, which is an even greater asset to him. When he first meets the Fantastic Four, he, may, he figures out that together they're unstoppable, but separated, they're all beatable. And he comes up with ways to pull them apart and sets up ingenious traps that prey upon their weaknesses. Uh, and I feel like that kind of aspect of Black Panther wasn't really present in the movie. Now, I understand that it's, it's a movie, it's two hours, there's only so much you can do, but I would have liked to have seen them play up you know, this resourcefulness of mm-hmm. Black Panther over just this kind of sheer physicality, which they seem to go towards. Yeah, I can see that. I I think the Black Panther character doesn't even seem like the main character in this. No, well, no Wakanda, I, I Wakanda is the main character. Yeah, and I think yeah. he's, his performance is overshadowed because Chadwick Boseman has to play the kind of stoic role. He gets to show humor and and like a and, a and a fun side at times too, though. Like you know the the don't freeze yeah. conversation and you know the like he's he's got that sly smile that goes in there too. So they do give him those moments to kind of break it up. But I would say yeah, like he's in a movie named after him. He's not he's not really the focal point of it. Right. Is he? But yeah, yeah. I, I, he, he's yeah. great though. It just is kind of what he's given. Also, right. isn't he like forty two? Yeah, he's, he's like forty and. And they said uh, Michael B. Jordan's 30, I think. So there's a 10-year age difference. It's literally unbelievable because he and Chadwick Boseman looks like he's 24. I know. Yeah. On Black Dome Crack. <laughs> Un- yeah. Unbelievable. Um, Where is he, where's Chadwick Boseman from? Uh, is he English? No, I, I think, think he's, he's American. American. I think, American? I, I got I think this is a movie of American and Brits with the exception of uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who's yeah. Mexican-born, but... To Kenyan parents, I believe. Yeah. Well, Andy Serkis is what Australian? Oh, uh, that's a good question. He's English. New Zealand? Uh, no, he's English. He might. No. Is he English? Really? I thought he was English. Is he South Africa? Is he South? Is he South African? Yeah. He might be South. African. <laughs> um, because he's 
Yeah, go ahead. Well, because I love that he keeps talking about going to like Johannesburg. And it's like you would go to Johannesburg, you piece of shit. Joe Berg. <laughs> and then you know who would play his brother if he hadn't died and there's a spinoff? It would have been yep. um, what's his name from District. Uh... Oh. Charles O. Copley. Yeah. yeah, that would, he would have played his shady brother with that. Oh no no! It would have been Ninja from Diane. Oh no, Ninja. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Ninja and Charlotte Copley play his two younger brothers. <laughs> Uh, this is Claude too. Andy Circus is from Get England. Robot. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Circus from See, England and Chadwick Boseman is from South Carolina. Oh. Um, South Carolina, really? Yeah. Uh, I was gonna talk about uh, Letitia Wright, who plays Shuri, the sister. Like, yeah, she she's, she's amazing, great. and I loved the scene with her as the cue to T'Challa's yeah. bond. Uh, I thought the whole the that was a very line. it was a very it was a very cute scene. Yeah. Did the colonizer line kill in your theater? Because it did. Oh ours. my god! Yeah, it was that was huge. <laughs> that and the what are those? What are those? Yeah. That that got a huge laugh. Wait, I mean, oh the the shoes, the sandals. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's you know the internet meme come to life. Uh, but that meme was from 2016 when it was like, popular, and this is when the movie takes place. So kind of like the movie takes place in 2016. Yep. How did you how do you know? Did I say it? Why didn't they say that? They say that uh, after they show Oakland, they say... Why doesn't it just take place now? Because it takes place a week after Civil War. Oh, really? Is that like in the opening? It says 2016 at some point. Yeah, and then they show like it was a week after, and that's why he goes to find his ex-lover to bring her back for the coronation because the king is dead and he's going to be the king. What's the timeline of the MCU? Oh, God. Uh, We're not going to get into that. Let's get into that. We're talking MCU to me. Huh? Yeah, it's 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 it works. It, okay. It, apparently, right. his work. There was some right. like continuity questions that I think have been answered somehow. Yeah, I don't know. Look, that's a whole other. This isn't. This timeline is not as messy as Fast and Furious as weird chronology. I can tell you what happens. Why do we movie? always talk about Fast and Furious? Because it's the greatest movie series of our time. Yeah, yeah, Eric. We're gonna review them one day, and you're gonna have to watch the ones you Have haven't you, watched. Wait, which ones haven't you watched? I have watched one, two, and three. And I've seen parts of later ones. I've seen the world's so longest. Seen, Hold on, let me. You've seen two. You seen the two worst ones. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you haven't seen four, five, six, seven, or eight. Uh, I've seen parts of a couple. I saw one where oh they're in the longest uh, airstrip uh, oh, in yeah. the history. Of the world. Oh, that one sucks. That's six. Six uh, sucks. And then the one where Michelle Rodriguez shows up, and that's then seven. Vin Diesel. Catches her in midair and goes into a car, and then yeah. later she's like, "Why'd you save me? You, 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 you took the brunt of that Dude, fall for that car." It? It's like, "What do you mean? You went flying into a car, seventy miles an hour. Well, Eric, you, the car you, didn't break your fall. If like, you, you watch you should be the dead. franchise enough, if you land on a car in the Fast and Furious franchise, it's like a pillow. So you just have yeah. to aim for a car, and you're fine. If you hit if you hit concrete, you're dead. Aim but for a the car, bushes. you're fine. Yeah. So that's because the rock gets thrown out." Of a window in final, and uh, I was about to say Final yeah. Fantasy Seven and uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious Seven. Holding Thor's he lands, wife. Yeah, and he lands on a car and he's okay. So yeah. he breaks his arm, but then there's the scene where he flexes the cast. He flexes oh, out of the cast. The greatest scene in movie history. Yeah. Daddy's got to go to work. <laughs> cast breakdown. Stop it. Stop All it. Right. All right. No Eric, we're going to add those to the retro reviews at some point that we have to watch God. Fast and Furious. I'm not watching. Like, legitimately, Fast Five is a great heist film. Okay. Yeah, uh, back to this movie. Uh, I was talking about Letitia Wright as Shuri. She's blowing up right now. She was in Black Mirror, for this most recent season. Never she was in this it. movie. She's going to be in the Infinity War, uh, and she's going to be in Ready Player One. Oh, uh, she's Ready like, Player One. All right. Yeah. And she. Yeah. So she's 
I think she's going to be a star. She's pretty awesome in this. Um, oh, she's great. She's mag- she's magnetic and she lights up the screen. She's got a million dollar smile, as they say. Scene stealer. Um, still not making me excited to see Ready Player One. That's that's fine. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the one thing that kind of bothered me later is like they had that great line about those uh, soundless shoes. They call them sneakers. Yes. And then they never show those shoes <sighs> again. Like, I thought there would be a scene where he'd, he'd be like have to use them or something. Like there was. <laughs> They, I don't know. They they, yeah, pay, yeah, they paid yeah. off the necklace with the suit and maybe something else, but they, the sneakers. I, I bet there's a deleted scene for that. Yeah, you know that's interesting because I was reading something on IO9 today about a deleted scene between um, uh, Michonne and uh, the guy from uh, Get Out. Aquaria, where, yeah, Daniel Kaluuya. Apparently, it's, it's set like right after uh, Killmonger assumes the throne and they're like in their, like their apartment or their house, like whatever their residence that they share together. Um, and they are arguing about whether or not like they should support this guy. Um, and Ryan Coogler says it was the best acted scene in the entire movie, but they ultimately decided to trim it because of pacing issues. And they Mm -hmm. thought that it kind of took away from the flow that they were going for. And he said he really bummed him out because he loves the scene and he loves how it helps define these two characters' relationships. It gives more insight into, like, where they're coming from in, in terms of, you know, the T'Challa family versus respect for Wakanda versus this interloper, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I really liked... Uh, Damon Kalua was great too. I think he didn't have a lot as much to do, but I think they beefed up his role even more after Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard that he they added some more reshoots and to add him more of a prominent character because I think they needed someone on the Wakandan a Wakandan who was on Killmonger's side. Yeah, and they needed someone to like take that. that um, sense, yeah. He's another guy where like in Get Out he looks twenty two. In this movie, he looks 35, and it's entirely because of a mustache, right? Like, he's yeah. in Sicario. In Sicario, yeah. he looks like he's in his 30s because he has a mustache. Yeah. And you take that mustache off, and he looks like a child. It's unbelievable. He's 28. Yeah. Oh, also from um, – I think I knew English. that. Yep. Yeah, he was in also in Black Mirror, um, yeah. the first season. Um I was gonna say the you brought up Coogler um, and his action uh, with the CGI, and yes. I agree. Like the CGI was good. I haven't seen his other movies. You so, haven't seen Creed or Fruitvale Station. Like Fruitvale, Man. I I I've heard good things. I'm about Fruitvale to tell Station you why. Is amazing. Fruitvale Station, I think, is one that I, I I want to watch, but it's just been it's something that I think would upset me. Like yeah, I, I would it, get really. Oh, it will upset you. Yeah, right, so it's kind of it it's kind of hard. Yeah, absolutely. But it's kind of hard to like say, oh, I want to go watch that right now. Mm-hmm. It's just that kind of same thing with uh, Detroit. That yeah, just came but out they're this not year. movies oh. that should be ignored, even if you watch them incrementally and have yeah. to kind of psych yourself up to see them. Yeah, and then uh, Creed. I don't really care for boxing movies, but I've heard uh, I, I've heard that's uh, really good. So I I will. I mean, after seeing this movie, I'm going to go see those two movies for Eric, sure now. But like Rocky and movies Trump's, aren't really. Yeah, I mean, and Creed especially kind of trumps the genre. It it's more of you know a personal movie than you would think. I mean, it, it's great. The relationship between Rocky and and Adonis Creed is great. Uh, there's just so there's so many and the final fight. Movies. The final fight takes place at Goodison Park. Yeah, the and whole, there's a bunch I'm of Everton a... fans and one <laughs> Liverpool fan. You can see one Liverpool fan that in son of a bitch. <laughs> it's great. 
But Eric, uh, much like the Friday Night Lights TV show, it is a a show or, or a film in this case that trumps the material. You don't need to like yes. football to watch Friday Night Lights. You don't need to like boxing to watch Creed. Yeah, Liz that's a good point. That's both. That's also why I yeah. haven't watched yeah. that show. Another yeah. movie that pass that passes the spouse. Yeah, test. Liz, Liz loves Friday Night Lights and oh, Creed, oh, and I, she's <laughs> not a fan. Of past, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like Molly and I went to go see it, and. Like 30 minutes into Creed, Molly leaned over and she was like, this movie is amazing. Awesome. Um, and I was like, cool. I'm glad that you are enjoy this as well. Side note, my mom took my dad to go see it because the Which only movie movies Creed? my Creed, yeah. My, the only movies my dad will go see are movies that are essentially remakes of movies from the 70s. Okay. So like, you know, this was like... Dad disappoint us again. What's, what's uh, the verdict? Uh, he, he goes, oh, oh. it's pretty good. All right. Here's the thing though. Oh. Not, a, not a lot of white people. I said, really? <laughs> really, Dad? You, you don't say. A movie what? set in, in the inner city of Philadelphia doesn't have a lot of white people, huh? How about that? Uh, so when are you taking to see Black Panther? <laughs> um, oh, everybody loves Raymond, people. the movie. This is my favorite story about my dad and movies. Um, so from like 1994 to like 2000 and 10, my dad didn't see any movies in theaters and it was like a point of pride for him for some reason like he'd like he'd be like i haven't seen any movies like he's like that's like a thing to be proud of mm-hmm. you know he's just being like a, a, a jerk about it um so i was back from college and it was like winter break and eight mile had just come out and it was like a sunday and i wasn't doing anything so i was like you know what i'm gonna go see eight mile like whatever so I get my keys and I'm going to leave. And as I get to the door, my dad's on the couch. I say, oh, I'm going out. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to see a movie. He goes, what are you going to see? I like, Eight Mile. He goes, oh, that's pretty good. I think I'll come. And I was like, uh, okay. And the thing is, my dad hates swearing. Like, <laughs> hates it. Uh, my mom and I would watch The Sopranos. And he would walk through the room and, you know, they'd be swearing up a storm. And he'd be like, oh, nice language. And he'd like <laughs> storm out of the room, you know, like, uh, with these weird Catholic sensibilities. He should watch Deadwood. <laughs> oh, no. It'd be awful for him. So I'm like, all right, let's go. So we went to go see uh, Eight Mile. And like I kept looking over at him throughout that movie because like there's a lot of there's a lot of swearing in that language. There's a lot of strong language in that movie. And there's some scenes that frankly I felt uncomfortable to be watching with him, like particularly when Brittany Murphy and, and Eminem have sex. And I was like, oh boy. But you know, he just seemed to take it all in. Uh, his report, pretty good movie. Oh. <laughs> really enjoyed the character of Cheddar Bob. Thought he was very funny. Who's Cheddar Bob in eight months? He's the one that shoots himself. Right? Yeah, Cheddar Bob is the one that shoots himself in the dick. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's like he's like the he might be white, he might be Hispanic, uh, yeah. but he's he's like the other non African American person of their crew. I gotta revisit. I, I don't remember that character at all. He's he's the comic relief. Okay. And and like he's the put upon one within the crew for all yeah. intents and purposes. But well, it's good you like that. Yeah. So my dad, there you go. The only movie he saw for like 15 years in the theater was Eight Mile. About the white rapper. Yeah. Um, oh. So <laughs> next on his list, as Eric said, Black Panther. Yeah. Um, oh, I was gonna say. So I haven't watched the Coogler's movies, but I will watch them. Okay. But I, I was gonna say uh, the action. Uh, you say action and Creed seemed really good. Maybe he lost his stuff here. I would say the the casino action scene was awesome. I yeah, I really think like out of the Black Panther suit. Like those fights at the casino are stellar. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, you mentioned also the uh, the tri- like the the challenging fights too. Though those are good, but I, the casino I really liked, and it was kind of done like in a one take kind of a thing. Which I hear there's one in Creed too. Yeah, that's that's the first fight. match in in it's one incredible. take. It's great. Yeah. yeah. So that's looking forward to watching that. Uh, the other thing I was gonna say was I like uh, the Tolkien white guys, uh, Martin Freeman. <laughs> and nice. Andy I like Sanders. that. Eric. Let's take I'll a moment play. to appreciate that. That was I'll that was play. good. <laughs> Jeopardy worthy. Totally yeah. made it up myself. Didn't get it from anywhere like Twitter or oh, anything. OC <laughs> original content. No, Boo. not at all. Uh, but I, I really like the, the those guys. Martin Freeman's great. Uh, I, I don't think his character is all that great, but I think he ha- added some it like comedic relief. Better than his uh, what was he in Civil War previously? Yes, yeah, he was like, just kind of he was, crap. Yeah, he was pointless in Civil War, but I thought he was a lot better in this movie without drifting into white knight territory, which I think was important. Cause once he started to have a purpose, I was like, okay, just let's not take this too far. And I think it was just right. the right amount of helping out. But that's the thing. Like he, he's kind of in charge bureaucrat. Like this is the way we're doing things. And then he's kind of reversed and is, has to learn his way around Wakanda. Like I, the whole scene with M'Baku, the, the, the <laughs> mountain village, tribe and was like, at eat, him. yeah like barking at him that was pretty good quiet him down this one will not speak or i'll feed him to my children just kidding we're vegetarians like i thought that line was great and how yeah. he kept laughing too mm-hmm. um and then at the end when he does like help out uh with like the, the flying flying of the, the ship or whatever it, it's still because shuri like set that up and is telling him how to do it uh like it's not and I, I didn't really ever think of like a white savior type of thing. It was just kind of like, hey, we need your help. This yeah, is how you yeah. do it. it like, he was not saying, full on white yeah. knight. It's just no, helpful. Yeah. And he's, Andy Circus, like, I kind of wish they didn't kill him. Like, I, I really liked him. I kind of would like to see him pop up elsewhere, but it made <laughs> sense. It made sense for the. Maybe Thanos will bring him back to life. Yeah. yeah. Death is impermeant in yeah. comics. True, but he's—I yeah. mean—he's in every other franchise, so. It's, uh... Andy Serkis just can't uh, stay alive. I mean, he's got some of the most horrific deaths. I mean, that King Kong death is. Oh still... no! I have oh. nightmares about that. Oh yeah, God. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, on that note, why don't we wrap up uh, Black Panther, everyone? Uh, if you had to give yeah. a. What's that? Well, same one. Same one. The same one more thing. Oh, I'm sorry, Sam. Go ahead. Yeah, so just just final thought. Like I touched upon this earlier, but like. I do think it's ridiculous that it took until 2018 to get a Marvel film uh, starring a, a minority character. Uh, and granted, there's not too many Marvel heroes that, of color whom you can immediately think of. Um, generally, I'm not necessarily one for changing the race of a character. But at the same time, if race isn't intrinsically linked to that character and, and defining who they are and their experience that I don't really think it's a big problem. So I think this is a situation where it's actually, uh, Marvel's Netflix shows, which have really beaten MCU to the punch in terms of showing diversity. So like in 2016, we got the Luke Cage series. And then what, two years prior to that, we got the Jessica Jones series. And yet Marvel still is yet to put out a, female-led film. Uh, I know that there is a Captain Marvel film with Brie Larson in production. I think that's slated for 2020. But, like, you've had Black Widow all this time. You're telling me you couldn't make a Winter Soldier-esque Black Widow film? Yeah, that's the one I think they should have done. That would have made a lot of sense. She-Hulk is something you could have done. And she, you know, like, 
She-Hulk as a as a comic book character is something that combines action and comedy and also like a legal setting because She-Hulk is also a lawyer. Um, there's just a lot of things that they can do, and I think the success of Black Panther and the success of Wonder Woman – like the overwhelming success of both of those films show that there is an audience for this and there is a marketplace for this. And, you know, like I, I don't want to disparage white superheroes. They're great. Like I love a lot of them, but there's other people out there who want to see themselves up there. And that's ultimately what superheroes are, right? They're kind of like wish fulfillment for that kid inside of us. What about the brown kids out there? What about the black kids? What about the little girls? Like they want to see themselves up there too. We need to do a better job of this. It shouldn't have taken this long. Yeah, I, I think the Black Widow movie too is even made more glaring by the fact that either this month or next month they're releasing that movie Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence that looks exactly like oh, yeah. a Black oh, Widow yeah. movie. So <laughs> yeah. it's like you could have made this movie or you could have bought the script and just shoved it into, you know, similar to the Cloverfield uh, approach. Just bought that script and shoved it into the Marvel formula, make it for what, 30, 40 million dollars, and you're gonna make that back. So, no they excuse. Made, yeah, for... they could have done a spy, a spy thriller for 25 million dollars. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, and there's no way in hell that that doesn't make its money back 10 times over. Yep. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a lot like they passed uh, Captain Marvel. There's maybe an idea to have another Spider Man movie and another Guardians movie. And Otherwise, there's nothing else on the slate. When, like, six years ago, they had everything planned out from, like, 2012 to 2020. Wouldn't, and they added... Isn't it thought that the X-Men being uh, woven into Marvel will kind of change that, and that's why they don't have, like, a schedule beyond 2020? Because it's assumed they'll be who knows what. Yeah, possibly, but that, that just happened a few months ago. Like, this, they, they, they haven't announced anything past Avengers uh, 4, really. And that's, I think, which has, doesn't have a title, by the way. Like that, they are purposely not giving that title because it'll be spoilers for what happens in Infinity War, okay. and I think. Wait, that you mean whatever comes after the second Infinity War film? No, so the the, oh, the one this year is called. It, what part two used to be called is now yeah. just untitled oh, Avengers no. film. Right. They're gonna have it name something else. I think there's gonna be a lot of people dying. Well, Captain America's gonna die. That's for sure. Yeah, so I think I think there's gonna be a big know. shakeup where there can be more room for. Uh, and I think some characters from Black Panther, like Shiri and the Dora Milaje, like there could be movies about them that I would absolutely watch. Uh, that doesn't have to be like a giant superhero movie, but yeah. something in there, like I, I would totally watch. So, and and I think the people are talking about how Shiri could uh, turn into She-Hulk or or something, like because she's a smart scientist and. Well, She-Hulk. I mean, I don't know the story of She-Hulk. She-Hulk is is Bruce Banner's cousin, and the way she gets her powers is. She, she needs a blood transfusion, and Bruce is the only person for some fucking reason. Bruce is the only person that can give her the blood transfusion, so she gets his blood, but she also gets his gamma irradiated, irradiated oh. blood, and she becomes it. And the interesting thing about She-Hulk is it's some, her alter ego is Jennifer Walters, but at some point she decides to just be She-Hulk all the time. Mm. Um, and so she's like a lawyer, and she represents a lot of superheroes like and, and stuff like that as, as a public defender. Um it's generally like She-Hulk has always had a kind of tongue-in-cheek approach. There was also a period of time where she joined the Fantastic Four, and when Ben Grimm was off exploring the cosmos following the events of Secret Wars, everybody can go fuck yourselves. I don't care if I know this. Um, that sounds great. Yeah, um, no, She-Hulk's so, a great kid. Yeah, I just, I, I'm just, I'm hopeful that after the, this next Avengers movie, that the there's going to be a lot, a big shakeup, and we don't know what's going to be coming up. But I think the mm -hmm. fact that Wonder Woman and Black Panther, and then we have Captain Marvel, that I think it bodes well. 
for I, the future. I'd read, I read, so. uh, and Sam, maybe you can confirm this, that the character that um, Napita Luongo plays eventually becomes a villain, and I was really bummed by that, and hopefully that's <sighs> not, not the I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, like I, I think I, I said, I really... Malice. Outside of... Um, Outside of Black Panther's interactions with the Fantastic Four, you really, read too much. yeah, not too, not too up to date on that stuff. Okay, it looks, so yeah. but I do have my Marvel Unlimited app, so I'm sure I could just pull open a bunch of Black Panther comics later tonight. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, oh God, you know what? I really hope they don't do what uh, in the future is there was an arc in Punisher where Frank Castle became a black man. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, he needed to hide his identity, so they made him black. And it Whoa, was like a five they're or not doing that. They're not, they're not doing that. I don't know. They could. They'll be like, hey, here's another black superhero. No! <laughs> not okay. Oh, boy. Um, uh, all right. Before yeah. we oh, okay, finish, Eric. I was going to say, talk about how successful Black Panther has been. Oh, Real yeah. Quick. Fifth largest opening weekend of all time, as I recall. Yeah. Fifth film to ever deliver $200 million in its first three days, and Man. the second largest four-day gross in history. It's not even open in China yet, right? Uh... Probably not. No, I don't know. And then well, that's just uh, domestic, right? Uh, U.S. domestic. Yeah, it's domestic. Worldwide, it's made uh, four hundred. Uh, what was it? Four hundred fifty or something. But they had the largest February opening weekend, the largest winter season opening weekend, the largest President's Day, largest Monday, de- defeating The Force Awakens, and really? largest Thursday preview in February. So it was all these like February winter ones, but. The fact that it also, in its four-day weekend, uh, had more money domestically than uh, Justice League did in its entire run. Huh. Well, you know, it's because it's not a piece of crap. <laughs> right. But even if it was, like, people that wanted to see this movie, you know, like Justice League, people are like, eh. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to... It might, it'll probably be the biggest movie this year, unless Avengers is... It's either this or Avengers, probably. But <sighs> yeah, I mean... Jurassic World does that stupid oh, thing. Oh, Jurassic, oh, Jurassic oh. World is ahead of it on top five it's like three or four for all all-time openings so what a maybe shitty, what a shitty movie that was <laughs> okay good but whatever uh all right why don't we uh assign yes. uh if we had to give black panther a school grade you know a b c etc what uh what would everybody say sam uh b plus eric a minus and I'll also give it an A minus. Uh, that wraps up our Black Panther coverage. But stick with us as we're going to close out the podcast with another Sam and Eric challenge. It's trivia time. Coming back from last week's seven to seven tie, and hopefully we'll we'll have some uh, someone will break the tie. Uh, same same format. Two minutes. Although I'm going to give two minutes and twenty seconds this time because some of the questions are needlessly verbose. All right, round two of the Sam and Eric challenge. We're going to flip it. Two minutes, 30 seconds, or two minutes, 20 seconds? Uh, I'll give you 2.30. We're going to we're gonna flip it, though. Sam, you're going to go first, unlike oh, uh, last please, time. And please, Eric, yes. I need to I, – I, I foresaw this, but I have to flip out one of your questions because you answered one of your questions in the podcast. But I, I kind of thought oh. you would. So um, I'm, I'm going to give it you how, – what was, was it that? how old is Chadwick Bosman? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, it's uh, I have an alternate question set up. It was what uh, two black uh, what uh, two Black Panther cast members made appearances on the British sci-fi drama series Black Mirror? And <laughs> Come you, on. Well, you can't – if you answer you it before Robo I ask you. You RoboCop question the Sam last Look, time. I know. I, I, I tried to balance it a little bit more this time. <laughs> as as right, I right. said, uh, there's Go still going to be uh, some questions that may or may not be – answerable i'm not putting up the jeep wrangler this week though because I, I do feel like someone might be able to get a 10 out of 10 and there is an extra credit question to bump you up uh, a point it, that'll be a, a showdown question where first one to answer correctly Ooh, it, must have, it must have snowed in seattle he needs to hold on to it now <laughs> 
put hey it's my jeep ringer collection <laughs> uh all right sam whenever you are ready uh we'll do the sam challenge right, I'm, I'm, oh i'm ready let's do it sam challenge number two question one what was created first the black panther party the revolutionary socialist movement or black panther aka chala the marvel superhero Ooh, um black panther party okay question two what actor was supposed to play Black Panther in the 90s before project delays caused him to depart in favor of playing another superhero role? Wesley Snipes. Okay, question three. Before author J.R.R. Tolkien's death, what actor and known Tolkien scholar received the author's blessing to play the role of Gandalf if a Lord of the Rings movie was ever produced? That would be the terrifying Christopher Lee. Okay, question four. Name four people that have portrayed Kal-El, a.k.a. Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, in film, TV, or animated series. Uh, Christopher Reeves, rest in peace. Uh, Brandon Routh, rest in peace to your career. Um, ouch. ouch. Uh, God, what is that dum-dum's name? Um, with that dumb kid from Smallville whose name I can't remember. And then... Uh, Wait, I can't remember this idiot's name. This, whoever, whoever, the, whoever that guy with the dumb mustache is in this one. Ah, fuck, fuck it. All right, you can come back to that one if you want. Uh, question five. By the end of the film, who is revealed to be the narrator of 1981's The Road Warrior? It's the feral child. Okay, question six. In John Carpenter's 1980 horror film The Fog, the townspeople of Antonio Bay are terrorized by what specific supernatural entity <laughs> within the expanding fog? Ghost pirates. Okay, question seven. Give the names of three colonial marines in James Cameron's 1986 film Aliens. We're looking for character names. Rank not required. Mm, uh, uh, oh, God damn it. Um, <laughs> they're like all simple on the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember any of them. All right, we'll come back to that. Question yeah. eight. Up and coming uh, American indie director Jeremy Saunier has nicknamed his first three movies, all with appearances by actor and frequent collaborator Macon Blair, the inept protagonist trilogy. Name two of these three movies. Uh, Green Room and Blue Ruin. Okay. Question nine. Uh, Studio Ghibli's 2013 release in possible Hayao Miyazaki swan song, The Wind Rises, depicts the life of famous Japanese engineer Jiro Hiroshi, who struggles with what ethical dilemma throughout the course of the movie? Um, see building planes for the Japanese war effort. Okay, question 10. If there was a Black Mirror episode about your life, what would it be called? You got uh, Eric's question from last week. Oh, um... What would it be called? Um... Hate into the Void? Okay, and that uh, wraps it up. Uh, what do we got on time? How, wh- yeah, what do we got on time? Uh, I just it ended like three seconds ago. Okay. Well, question ten is kind of an opinion question. So as long as you were there, uh, we'll count it. Um, all right, Hayden the Void. Let's I hope I get the same leniency. <laughs> Sam's questions for the Sam Challenge. Question one: Which was created first, the Black Panther Party, the Revolutionary Socialist Movement, or Black Panther, the Marvel superhero? Uh, the correct answer actually is Black Panther the superhero. Oh, really? He was created in July 1996 by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby two months before Huey Newton and Bobby Seale formed the Black Panther Party. Many wow. people assume the comic character's name referenced the party, so the character was briefly renamed Black Leopard. However, neither the readers or creators cared for the name, and it was eventually changed back. I had no idea about that. I mean, that's that's pretty close. That's a tough one. 
Um, question two, which actor was supposed to play Black Panther in the 1990s before project delays caused him to depart in favor of playing another superhero role? The answer was Wesley Snipes. You are correct. He'd wanted to play the role and went to Columbia Pictures with a script, but they determined the project could not be made with the current technology and delays pushed Snipes to play Blade, the vampire hunter. I figure it was either Wesley Snipes or Michael Jai White are the logical guesses for, uh, as, as I think they're the only ones to play black superheroes in the 90s? Well, I mean, outside of the guy who played Meteor Man. Oh, yeah. And I guess you could even go Damon Wayans as Blank Man, another oh, embarrassing oh. Uh, there you go. black That's superhero. Shaquille O'Neal. Or oh, the guy Steel? that played... Oh, we're also forgetting uh, the short-lived TV series Mantis. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're there. You just gotta look for them. Good call. If you would have guessed the actor from Mantis, I would have been impressed and disappointed <laughs> at the same time. Uh, okay. Before question three, before author J.R. Tolkien's death, what actor and known Tolkien scholar received the author's blessing to play the role of Gandalf if a Lord of the Rings movie was ever produced? You are correct in Christopher Lee, one of the th- most terrifying people on earth. Uh, and as we all recall, uh, Lee was very uh, salty when. Uh, when uh, director, um, what's his name? Why am I forgetting? Peter Jackson. Yeah, Peter Jackson told him he couldn't play the role because he's just too terrifying. Uh, I mean, uh, but luckily gave him the role of Saruman in the uh, Lord of the Rings he's a, series. He's a perfect Saruman. He's a great Saruman, absolutely. Uh, question four. Name four people that have portrayed Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman. You said uh, Christopher Reeves and uh, Brandon Routh. Um, you unfortunately didn't get to four. The other were, others were Henry Cavill is the dumb dumb with there the mustache, I believe you were thinking of. He's so um, bad. Tom Welling is the dumb dumb in Smallville, I think you were referring to. Uh, Dean Kane in Lois and Clark. Oh, uh, big dumb dumb. Big dumb oh, dumb. how did I forget Dean Kane? I thought you were. That's why I said four. I was like, Sam will get that one and one of the two of the. Uh, also, Channing Tatum in Lego Batman movie. George oh. Reeves in oh. The Adventures of Superman. Tim Daly in the animated Justice League show, and some guy named Tyler Hochelin in Super Supergirl TV show, the one that's on right now, I think. Is he actually? Do they actually show his face in that, or is it just they show him from like behind? I, I think I there's like think he's a issue. character, but I don't watch it truthfully. Um, question five. Uh, by the end of the film, who is revealed to be the narrator of 1981's The Road War? You were correct. It is the grown-up feral kid. Played by Email Minty, uh, but voiced... Leader of the Great Northern Tribe. Yeah, voiced by uh, Harold Bajanet. Is the, he's the adult uh, voiced version of him. Uh, question six. In John Carpenter's 1980 horror film, The Fog, the townspeople of Antonio Bay are terrorized by what specific supernatural entity within the expanding fog? You said ghost pirates. You are correct. We also would have accepted ghost lepers and ghost mariners, uh, but ghost pirates is the the quick answer, of course. Alien um, Question Sorry, seven: man. Give the name of three colonial marines in James Cameron's Aliens. Uh, character names not uh, rank not required. Uh, we were looking for Corporal Hicks, Private Hudson, Lieutenant Gorman, Private Vasquez. Uh, Sergeant Apone, Private Spunkmeyer, Corporal Dietrich, and I would have even accepted Bishop because arguably he is kind of a colonial well, marine. He's not a marine. Well, I would have I would have allowed it if if you were kind of uh, looking. I was if I was him. Yeah, it just nothing was coming out to me. I yeah, can see all Hicks, of them. Hudson and Vasquez are the most obvious because their names are said the most. Like uh, Bill Paxton's exchange with Vasquez, where he says, "Hey Vasquez, have you ever been?" 
mistaken for a man, and then she says, you know, no, but have you? you? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Hicks, uh, Hicks is, uh, what's his name from T1, um, Eric? What's, what's that guy's name? Uh, I don't know. Michael Bean. There we go. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, question eight. Up-and-coming uh, indie director Jeremy Saunier has nicknamed his first three movies um, the Inept Protagonist Trilogy, named two of the three. And uh, Sam, you said uh, Blue Room and Green Room, which is correct. The third movie was his first movie called Murder Party. Yeah, I haven't, right. seen, I haven't seen that, but I, I mean, I love Blue Ruin, and Green Room was one of my favorite films of the year when I saw that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Unbel- unbelievable film. So, yeah. so tense. Uh, fans of Jeremy Saunier, be on the lookout for his June 1 release on Netflix, um, Hold the Dark, uh, about a nature writer who is called in to investigate a string of wolf attacks in a remote Alaskan village, starring Jeffrey Wright from Westworld, Riley Keogh, and Alexander Sarsgaard. So uh, yeah. Netflix bought his next movie and will be out this summer. I will watch that. Yeah, for sure. Um, question nine, Studio Ghibli's 2013 release and possible Hayao Miyazaki swan song, The Wind Rises, depicts the life of Japanese engineer Jiro Hiroshi, who struggles with what ethical dilemma throughout the course of the movie. Uh, you said these planes are being built for the Japanese war effort. You are correct. But I got to <laughs> ask, did you see this movie? Because you kind of like were feeling it out, it, it seemed like. I have not seen it, but I know that he's an aviator and that he's he's creating things. And then I just figured, based on the time period that I thought I saw uh-huh. in the trailers, yeah. um, that's yeah. what it'd be about. Well, you you are correct. He he wants to build planes for just. I mean, he he's an aviation engineer, but that's not what he wants his planes uh, to be used for. So, correct. Yeah, shamefully, I'm like a little reticent to like watch. Miyazaki films that are about fantastical stuff. Ah, uh, so pure um, escapism. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll love it when I eventually watch it. But I also, I mean, I knew that it had to be about flight just because, like, flight is a big theme throughout a lot of his movies, and it's something that he clearly has a lot of joy and inspiration in. Like, you know, Howl's Moving Castle, there's flight, Kiki's Delivery Service, Spirited Away, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, question 10, if there was a Black Mirror episode about your life, what would it be called? Your answer was... Hatred in the Void. Hatred in the Void. Uh, incorrect, but that's why we have the uh, extra credit question to make up for opinion questions. Um, acceptable answers would have been uh, Sam's Club of Death, uh, Bard Watcher, Death by Comments section, Just One More Slice, The Island of Unimaginably Stubborn Baby Boomer Opinions. Uh, <laughs> that's, meet, really, that, that's probably it right there. Meet Cute, spelled M-E-A-T, um, can it can it be more like this? A graphic designer story, uh, skull patch, and then uh, Jacob's Ladder, Chicago Rec Basketball League edition uh, oh, were acceptable answers. Oh, oh, the worst, the worst experience of my life. And you have to relive it over and over if you've if you've seen yeah, Jacob's just, Ladder. I just want to wake from this dream into death. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, the, if we're, if I'm including questions like that, uh, the extra credit question is. Uh, there to uh, make up for that uh eric uh, anything on uh the score uh six out of ten he missed right. the black panther uh party the superman aliens and the black mirror gotcha episode okay uh eric he was seven of ten last week he's now 13 out of 20 with a 65 percent correct percentage oh, that's yeah terrible. what uh extra credit question on the horizon eric are you ready for the eric challenge 
Uh, yeah, just saying uh, last week I had like three opinion ones that I got wrong, did not get an extra credit, but please proceed. Uh, yeah, well, we're trying to even it out. <laughs> so you... salty. No, I'm not, because also Sam helped me nothing, get one of the answers. Nothing Star Trek. here ever again. <laughs> Question one, Eric. Uh, before Black Panther star Chadwick Boseman hit it big, he had a guest spot on what TV show playing a drug dealer whose dreams of being a magician were dashed when he was shot in the hand by an escaped con? Uh, I have no idea. House. Okay. Question two. John Cusack dislikes what 1997 movie so much that he refuses to be interviewed about it? 1997. Uh, Con Air. Okay. Question three. In the 2004 TV show Lost, character Charlie Pace has a tattoo that reads, Living is easy with eyes closed. What is this a reference to? Uh, it's Beatles song, Strawberry Fields. Okay, question four. What is the greatest halftime comeback deficit-wise in sports movie history? We're looking for the movie, not the deficit. <laughs> uh, well, not the deficit. The best movie just, that just has... Just the movie with the largest... Deficit. deficit. Oh, Space Jam. Okay. Question five. Name four TV shows that Kristen Bell has appeared on. Uh, okay. Um, Parks and Rec, uh, The Good Place, Veronica Mars, and one more. Uh, what is the name of that show? Uh, um, <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, does Ellen count? She's on that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, um, House of Lies. Okay. Um, question six. Character actor Michael Wincott, known for his raspy voice and memorable turn as cinematic villains, has appeared in over 30 movies, including The Crow, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Alien Resurrections, Three Musketeers, Ghost in the Shell, and Basquiat. What cameo role does he play in 2016 reboot of Westworld? Uh, I don't know the character but the father of uh, the, the main girl okay question seven name four people that have portrayed the joker in film or tv animated series included mark hamill jared leto uh, jack nicholson oscar romero okay uh or heath ledger yeah okay i'll put that in there too uh in thor ragnarok what's it 10 seconds uh, ten seconds left. All right. Well, we might have to bump it. These questions were way too long. Uh, in Thor Ragnarok, a play entitled "The Tragedy of Loki of Asgard" is put on for the citizens of Asgard, commemorating Loki's heroic death in Thor 2. In the performance, Matt Damon plays Loki, Sam Neill plays Odin. Which actor plays Thor? Uh, it's um, uh, what? Damn it! Uh. Eric. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, I'm taking too long. Um, Luke Hemsworth. Okay. Nine. Question nine. Name four movies where Sam Rockwell dances. Nine, how many movies? Four. Four movies. <laughs> All right. Man, <laughs> we can't do a time limit on these anymore. Um, I'll go with uh, Iron Man two, um, Seven Psychopaths, uh, Moon, and um, Three Billboards. Okay. Uh, question 10. Name one felony act committed by Nicolas Cage's character in the 2004 action adventure film National Treasure. Uh, uh, theft. 
Can you be more specific? Not a felon. Uh, theft of property? Property theft? Uh, okay. He stole the Declaration of Independence. All right. <laughs> Uh, all right, that uh, should wrap it up. We went over the time limit, but as I said, these were way too long, so that's more <laughs> on me. Um, that's all right, we'll go through them. Uh, all right, Eric, question one. Which... Uh, oh, before Black Panther star Chadwick Boseman hit big, he had a guest spot on what TV show playing a drug dealer whose dreams of being a magician were dashed when he was shot in the hand by an escape con? You said the house? Yeah. Uh, incorrect. It was Justified. Oh, wow. Yeah, so early Chadwick Boseman appearance. Um, question two, what... Um, uh, John Cusack dislikes what 1997 movie so much he refuses to be interviewed about it. You said Con Air. You were correct. It was Con Air. Ooh. Well, that wow, yeah, I did. Uh, in 2004, uh, in the 2004 TV show Lost, uh, character Charlie Pace has a tattoo that reads, Living is Easy with Eyes Closed. What is this a reference to? Uh, it was the Beatles' Strawberries Fields Forever. You were correct. Uh, question four. What is the greatest halftime comeback deficit-wise in sports movie history? You said Space Jam. You were correct. Uh, the Monstars led the tune 66-18 at halftime, only to lose the game 60. Uh, excuse me, 78-77 when the Toons unleashed a 48-2 blitz to open the second half. Um, some other... Interesting stats from uh, Space Jam from the Harvard Sports Analysis uh, article about it. Uh, both teams shot nearly 100% from the field due to the fact that the vast majority of points were scored by dunks. In fact, only <laughs> one field goal was missed during the entire game when uh, Monstar uh, Bupkis, who is the Patrick Ewing Monstar, was thwarted by Wiley, uh, uh, Wiley Coyote's uh, timely detonation of a small cache of explosives strategically placed around the hoop. No rebounds were recorded in the game by either team, a testament to the high levels of offense efficiency on both sides. Uh, Marvin the Martian, who was the ref in the game, exhibited little control over the proceedings, whistling no personal fouls on either team. It's unclear whether his extraterrestrial origins biased him in favor of the alien visitors looking the other way as the tuned players were flattened, stomped, and dismembered. But the non-calls appeared to even out in the end, i.e. the tunes using dynamite. Uh, and lastly, Blanco, the Sean Bradley monster, failed to register a single stat throughout the course of the game. Even in a world where Elmer Fudd has a 40-inch vertical, Bradley's talent can't even muster a shot attempt. That's the <laughs> most realistic aspect of the movie. Um, question four. Name four TV shows that Kristen Bell has appeared on. Uh, what were the four you said, Eric? Parks and Rec, Good Place, Veronica Mars, and House of Lies. Okay, those all check out. Uh, also would have accepted um, Gossip Party Girl, Downers. Party, oh, Down, yeah, Party Down, Heroes, Deadwood, The Shield, Big Mouth, The Simpsons, Robot Chicken, and Family Guy. Uh, there were quite a few. Um, question six, character actor Michael Wincott, known for his raspy voice and memorable turns as cinematic villains, has appeared in over 30 movies including The Crow, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Alien Resurrection, Three Musketeers, Ghost in the Shell, and Basquiat. What cameo role does he play in 2016's TV reboot of Westworld? Uh, he plays Old Bill, the rudimentary animatronic cowboy that Anthony Hopkins is often conversing yep. with in the basement. Mm -hmm. um, question seven, name four people that have portrayed the Joker in film or TV, animated series included. You said Nicholson, Ledger, Leto, and Hamill. 
he did not say Ledger. I did, I, he said Oscar Romero. He did say Oscar, Oscar Romero. Um, and, and then I said Ledger after that. But that's... you, I, I think Eric was thinking of Caesar Romero, who was in the 1966 live-action Batman series. Uh, yeah. Wasn't Oscar Romero like a he was the, someone else? Yeah. A bishop. Yeah. He was the bishop assassinated in South yeah. America, played by um, what's his name <laughs> from the Adams Family in a movie version. Um, what was what's the name of oh Raul Julia played him in a in a movie, uh back in the nineties, uh so I guess that's a miss that's a no yeah Caesar Romero not I don't know why I went for the sixties Joker and not Heath Ledger I mean good here we are uh Zach Galifianakis in Lego Batman Troy Baker in the Arkham video games uh Lost alum Michael Emerson in Batman the Dark Knight Returns the animated uh version too so you had some other choices for sure. Uh, if I had just said Romero, would it have counted? I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. I, I think not. Okay, moving on. Hemsworth. Okay. I get. I get the wrong Hemsworth. Probably. No, you got the. You got the correct Hemsworth. You got the ugly one. Yeah. Uh, in Thor Ragnarok, a play entitled "The Tragedy of Loki of Asgard" is put on for the citizens of Asgard, commemorating Loki's heroic death in Thor Two. In the performance, Matt Damon plays Loki and Sam Neill plays Odin. What actor plays Thor? You said Luke Hemsworth. You were correct. No, him and uh, Liam stuff. Oh, that's the younger brother. Uh, Luke Hemsworth, yep. better known as Ashley Stubbs on Westworld, and the older brother of Chris and Liam Hemsworth. Uh, name four movies where Sam Rockwell dances. You said uh, what did Iron you Man, Iron Man Two, yes. Three Billboards, yes. Moon, and Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, those all check out. Uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Charlie's Angels, Conviction, and the the Way Way Back, and Mister Right would have uh oh yeah that guy loves to dance he does lead on his he is uh question 10 name one felony act committed by nicholas cage's character in 2004 uh adventure film national treasure you said stealing the declaration of independence you were correct sam argued that they may not be felony level crimes uh and that that may be so but we were just looking like, for well no that's steal. i mean i would originally just say theft is not a felony. yeah that, i guess that's why I was looking grand for. larceny would be stealing sure. the collection of independence. i thought it was just like the act not not what he like the, what he actually did i thought no, it was just no, like, no, it's gonna yeah. rise to the level of theft. yeah also would have accepted kidnapping the president oh yeah uh, oh yeah various Can't counts of fraud and trespassing uh, also would have accepted being named Benjamin Franklin Gates and his hair at the beginning of the movie. So you had some you had some outs on this one. Great movie, though. Love it. All right, Eric, what uh, what's that give you out of ten for this round? I'm uh, I missed the first question about uh, Chadwick Boseman. I missed uh, the character in Westworld, and I missed Joker. So I got seven out of ten. Okay, so uh, so Sam can tie it back up uh, with the extra credit question. With the bonus prize. If you if you guys are ready, um, all right, we'll just run it for the clock for like thirty seconds. Uh, first one to Wait. get it right, you can you can give multiple answers. If no one gets it right, then uh, Ooh, okay. just declare it dead. All right, are you both ready? Yes. Yes. All right, what actor voiced Black Panther in Marvel's twenty ten animated Black Panther miniseries? Uh, Samuel Jackson. No. Uh, Chadwick Boseman. Donald Glover. Wesley Snipes. Good guess, but no. Uh, Blair Underwood. I don't know who that is. Oh, oh, oh. um, Well, it's not the answer. (laughs) Ooh, uh, ooh, uh. Hmm. Sam might be onto it. 
Is it the voice? Uh, God, uh, Keith David. Ooh, good guess, but no. Ooh, uh, all right, let's throw some David Keith. <laughs> David Keith. <laughs> uh, this actor oh. is in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Vin Diesel? Uh, this actor is also in the Fast and the Furious franchise, but not Vin Diesel. Dwayne Johnson? No. Uh, Dave Bautista? No. Bradley Cooper, for some reason. <laughs> that would uh, be really messed up. Uh, someone that's in Guardians of the Galaxy and Fast and Furious? That is correct. Not lu- ludicrous? It's not ludicrous. I think time may be running out on this. Wait, wait, Ty- I want to. Don't say anymore. Wait, let's Ty- we can get this. Tyrese? <laughs> not, not Tyrese. Uh, hold on, hold on, okay. Tyrese is not in Guardians of the Galaxy. I just, who's who's African American guys? Yeah. Take out the uh, drop the American from that. Mr. Echo? No, uh, not uh, Mr. Echo. American. Take that American. Uh, all right, hold on. We're we're gonna get this. We're, let's 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 just have some dead air this, in the podcast as we think about it. this. This actor was born in Africa, so he's not African American. Okay. He's born uh, in he's born in West Africa. It's not Mr. Echo. It's not. It's not Adewale. Uh, of the kids. I don't. Uh, Man, I, this is bad. Is there any more hints, or that's all? Um, he's a villain in both franchises, and does not appear in Fast and the Furious till the later movies. He's the villain in the fourth movie. Pete Serafinowicz? No, no, it's a it's a black actor born I... in Africa. It's not a British actor. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess I give up. I, I'm... It's a uh, Digimon Hansu from. Oh my ah! god! And... Oh. From Gladiator. Yes, and uh. Gladiator. He uh, voiced the Black Panther character in 2010. He is that subvillain in the seventh or eighth fan- a... Fast and Furious movie, and then he's also the kind of sub-villain yeah. of Ronin in Guardians 1. Oh, I can't believe I forgot That's pretty that. bad. Yeah. That's why it was an extra credit question. That's kind of tough. I, I didn't no, know. It was, I mean... I wish it was... I wish it would be Keith David. Keith <sighs> David. It's a, those were all very good guesses. I would assume Keith David uh, would have would have been one of them for sure. All right, so that uh, puts us at 13 to 14 in Eric's favor, I believe. Uh <sighs> But there's plenty of time to, to make up lost ground. Uh, yeah, this is like a 30-game season, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah 28, just to start. I won the battle, not the war. Let's go. Yeah, cool. All right, thank you all for joining us. Again, we are Mandatory Reshoots, and we'll be back uh, either next week or the following with a review of uh, Alex Garland's Annihilation.